Hello, film fans. How are you? Um, thank you so much for choosing to listen to another episode of Soundtracking with me, Edith Bowman. Um, it's been really nice over the last couple of weeks. I've been doing various bits of press about the podcast, which has been nice. Um, seems to be a bit of interest in the show. Um, and one of the things that someone pointed out, which I thought was really kind of them, was the fact that the podcast kind of provides episodes for different levels of film fans. So we always come at this podcast as being film fans. Although I've obviously done a ton of interviews about films, I'm not some kind of aficionado. I always come at it as being a film fan and I hope that comes across. And with that, I hope that the podcast is absolutely accessible, both for those film fans that maybe only watch a couple of films a year or for those avid film fans who are watching two or three films a week. So I hope we kind of provide um, entertainment for all of you. And our latest guest on Soundtracking, I think you are all going to absolutely love. And if you haven't seen the particular piece of work that we are about to talk about, then I highly recommend that you do. So our latest guest on Soundtracking is a first time film composer who smashed his debut score right out of the park and that's what I love about this podcast is the fact that yeah we can have a big name on the show like Pete Doctor who has worked at Pixar for two decades but we can also shine a light on new and exciting talent that we are thoroughly entertained by uh, and Adam Janotar Bozowski um, has a background in both music and sound design and he has expertly married the two art with his work on Rose Glass's Saint Maud. What a film, garnering widespread critical acclaim. Now, St. Maud, well, it's kind of hard to be specific without giving too much away, but here's a kind of almost back-of-the-book synopsis of the film. St. Maud tells the story of a hospice nurse who becomes slightly obsessed with the former patient in her care, believing she must save her soul. It's available on home entertainment formats from the 1st of February. So I'd put a reminder in your diary for that because it's that good. You don't want to miss it. Adam's score complements the unsettling atmosphere of the narrative script and visuals perfectly. And it's with one of his cues that we'll begin. Maud's theme. Congratulations on this film and also congratulations on all the recognition that it's quite rightly received, you know, the, the, the nominations are left, right and centre, but also just in terms of the connection that it's made with a film audience as well, you know, and the response that you've had from 
from within the cinema, which was great that people got to see it in the cinema. How, how does, does, is that something that you, you register and that you check in with in terms of how it's doing and what people are saying about it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, when we're talking, this is like my first film, so I'm utterly obsessed with what everyone is saying mm. about the minutiae of everything. I shouldn't be, because they always say, don't, don't read reviews, don't listen to critics. But, I mean, I've got nothing else to do. So. <laughs> do you mind if we give people a little bit of a kind of background to, to you? You know, you say that this is your, your first full-length feature job as a, a composer which is an amazing achievement but also when you listen to the complexities of the score it's such a beautifully and perfectly crafted companion to you know Rose's story and the performances as well what is your what was your journey up to this point to to being brought on board to work on Saint Maud with Rose well I don't know where do I begin I mean you know I um studied music at yeah, University of Brighton. Actually, I didn't study music. I studied what was called digital music and sound art. So way more pretentious than music. Sound art, did you say? Sound art. Yeah. Oh, like that. Are, are you not familiar with sound art? It <laughs> is. Um, it's, <laughs> it's. It's very cool. Well, I think it's very cool. It's kind of like you know, think of modern art as you know the 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 urinal that Duchamp did. Sound art is like you know the weird sound in the corner, and that's it in the room. Um, which is great for me. I'm absolutely obsessed with that kind of stuff. Mm. Um, but, you know, before that, I wanted to be a graphic designer. I wanted to be an artist. But my art teacher went round the room and told everyone that he thought should go and do A-level. And he didn't pick me, so I chose music instead. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, which is fortuitous. Uh, I was the only one in my music tech class for A-level. So I got very, like, unique one-to-one -one training. And then I went to do this very artifarty university degree, which was great because they teach you about things you never knew existed in mm. the art world and things you would never consider. And that was just wonderful for me. And then comes the post-university, what am I doing with my life? And I fell into sound design because everyone was a composer and um, no one wanted to hire me. So I did sound design and that was great because I did really cool animations. I worked with uh, someone called Mikey Please, who, very talented animator, made mm -hmm. a beautiful film called Marilyn Miller. Very amazing. So I, my basis was sound design, which I think is what leads to people's resonating with the score in a unique way, because that blending of the boundary between the two practices uh, is, is so strong in, in that score that you, you're not sure if you're listening to music, or if it's something that the sound designer Paul Davies did. So yeah, that's what that's kind of mostly what I did, mostly advertising and sound design before I did this feature film.
it's really interesting you say that because I was just today watching um, the new Riz Ahmed film, Sound of Metal. Right. Where he plays a drummer who loses his, his hearing. And the, 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 the marriage of, of the, the sonic worlds that they need to blend in that film were incredible. And it's, it's so, so clever. And it's so interesting. I, I didn't know that. But when you hear the score of For St. Maud, it's got such a presence. And, and that your experience in that world of sound design is kind of clearly in there in terms of that connection. Also, you saying about the idea of of musical art, and that's not every score is a piece of art. You know, I think mm. scores facilitate their companion in terms of the visual side of things differently, sort of thing. And there are there are, there are certain scores that I think are definitely pieces of art, and this is definitely one of them. And another one from this year, I think, was Blank Master's score from was well, last year, Calm with Horses, which mm. I think did a, a a brilliant job. How did you? How, did you know Rose before, and how did how did the film kind of present itself and the opportunity present itself to you? Uh, no, so I didn't know Rose. I knew the producer Oliver Kastman, and uh, it was one of those very fortuitous. Um, he was at my best friend's uh, birthday and mentioned that he was working on a film, to which I ignored all of my friends and <laughs> focused all of my energy. On, on making oh, sure really? <laughs> Quite literally, those are the words. Um, no, and it's really, you know, and again, it's it's one of those things, it's, it's very much, when I went to university, I don't really feel like I paid for an education. I paid for the people I met along the way, you know, and really that's how I got there. You know, I, I, I met someone who met someone who met someone. And so Oliver gave me the treatment for the, so not the scripts, just the outline and a few kind of pictures that Rose had cobbled together. And I wrote this demo, you know, 40 minutes, because obviously I was very keen. And <laughs> That's like half the length of the music that's in the entire film. Is it not? It's like about half an hour's worth of music in the film, isn't there? It's like, that's amazing. I love that. So, um, <laughs> so and then when I went for the interview, you know, I could hear them editing to, to my score. Oh, wow. So I was like, does this mean I got the job or, you know, I didn't know, I didn't know. But yeah, so, so it was lucky. I, I kind of feel like Rose tapped into something, you know, I'm obviously, like the saying, I, 
I'm a visual person. So I didn't need a script to, to know what she was looking for, or at least what I thought she was looking for. Yeah. Um, so I feel like I tapped into it there. Did you then get the opportunity to to watch that incredible performance from, I always like get worried about how you say her name. Is it Morvin? I thought it was Morfin. But Morfin, yeah. I, I, I don't know. And I'm going to be Scottish and just get things wrong with pronunciation all the time. So I'll take the, the rap on this one. I think if you just say it quickly enough, then no one's going to know. That's my go-to. I did that like with the director of The Revenant, not a clue, and just went Alejandro. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you've got you've got my name to contend with as well. So yeah, just wait till I have to do the voiceover. It's like I'm going to get you to say at the end of this, so then make sure I get it right. But it's it's interesting when we've spoken to composers in terms of what it is that inspires their you know their craft and their you know the the emotional attachment and creativity that they have to what they make for the project and. Some people say that it's about the performance, it's the script, it's just their own internalisation of, like you say, the treatment. But were, were you then privy to the performance within the film to then, did that contribute in any way to, to the finished score or was, it, was that not the case? I'm trying to think back. I, I remember having a spotting session, which is where you, you basically go and you watch it and they're like, we need something here, not what's there, I need it to do this, so on and so forth. But it was very, very condensed. We didn't watch the whole thing. I felt like it wasn't until we'd done a good few passes that I saw the whole film. Mm. And so I was watching it in chunks. And when you're doing that, you're watching the same scene over and over and over again. And you become fixated, not with what the story's doing, but what the wallpaper is, what, what, that, what that piece of crockery is over there, you know, what, what's this brooch? So I became very obsessed with the details which kind of gave the whole whole vibe. But yeah, it wasn't until very, very... Le- also, you know, you've got to remember, this being my first film, I was very much, well, this could this dream could end at any moment, you oh. know? I'm waiting for the rug to be pulled up from under me. So just keep going until you see your name on the credits and then you know it's real. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I, I actually don't think I really considered the whole piece, you know, of the film as a whole until very recently when we do interviews like this. Hmm. What was it then from that initial treatment that you that you saw that you connected with and the emotions that you wanted to kind of tap into for, for this character in this film? Well, first of all, Rose had listed some sonic influences, which were like the top four films that I had seen. Or not just that, but top four scores. And, you know, we took Lost Maud from First Reformed.
uh, Mika Levy's Under the Skin. Oh, yeah. Hereditary score by uh, Colin Stetson. Johnny Greenwood's um, the Lynn Ramsey film. You were never really here. Yeah. I was like, this is a star for me. This is everything I wanted to be able to be influenced by. Beyond that, um, it was a very small synopsis. And we were talking about, it, Rose was talking about how everything slowly moves to be more and more in the protagonist's head from her point of view, as though we're, we're kind of like beaming down into her consciousness, which I found really interesting. But the images that she used, and I don't know who they were by, but they were truly terrifying, <laughs> like really scary, kind of like, you know, like when you take a picture, but your shutter speed is too slow and it's like really <laughs> blurry, right? Yeah. Like that, but imagine of demons and like in 
kind of like bed sits. Uh, <laughs> that's what it looked like. And I, I just thought, well, if this is what the film's going to be, I have to be a part of it. I mean, obviously it wasn't, but just... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but it is, you know, she's... Rose is just this, you know, I was lucky enough we were saying to chat with her months ago. I've no con- concept of time thanks to, you know, this pandemic. But um, at some point in 2020, I spoke to Rose. She's she's like a little pixie, you know, she's so kind of genteel and, and petite and 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 just beautifully kind of uh you know, features sort of thing. But and, and just create something, you know, as terrifying as this film is. But then when you think about it, there is something incredibly beautiful about this film as well. And I think that that's what makes it such a powerful thing, is that it's not just one thing and it's not just a kind of it's not a straightforward kind of horror film. It's so many other little things around it. It's so clever. I completely agree. And, and I think obviously they have to, because, you know, for marketing purposes, <laughs> they have to say it's a horror, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Put it in a box. <laughs> and, but it's because we all need it. It's like, well, what is it? Define it to me. Um, so, and they say they've come up with this new term, elevated horror, which is genius and ridiculous at the same time. Mm. But... Um, I, it's, I, I agree completely. It's so much more than that. It's it's truly a, a, a drama, almost a very very sad drama, or a, maybe a thriller. Mm-hmm. A love story in there as well. Yeah, it's got it all. Yeah, and I think that's why when I read all of the reviews ever by everyone, you know, <laughs> pe- pe- people are like, "Oh, it's not for me because it's not scary enough." And I'm like, I can understand that because you've been told it's a horror and you've been presented with something else. Yeah, um, it was really interesting you listing those films that um, that were were a kind of influence uh, presented to you in his way because Jaws was one that I wanted to ask about as well. Why is that? In one specific cue. Was it the kind of kind of like the clanging? Bed, no, it's bedside manner. Just in the way that it kind of starts with that kind of slight sort of almost pulsation of that. In the same way that that Jaws theme tune kind of do kind of thing, that sort of it kind of comes in and sort of slightly bites you from behind almost in a way sort of thing and I, th- I was like that that just sort of popped up in my brain when I was thinking about it The score has this brilliant kind of real depth to it, like bass to it almost in a way mm. that's really guttural. Absolutely. Well, I mean, in that, I don't know, let me just listen to it quickly. <laughs> Make sure I'm talking about the same piece. I think it's Bedside Manor. Yeah, yeah, I, that kind of like... Yeah, I call that the rawhide, because if you... <laughs> roll then, roll then, roll then. <laughs> yeah, I love it. It's amazing. <laughs> Um, so that sound, <laughs> that sound. Oh, please actually, give me all your alternative names for all this. <laughs> you will. I mean, don't you love that it's you know bedside manner? What a genius pun! I mean, come on. Um, that that sound is actually a flute that it's, oh. that it starts with. So we I spent a long time trying to gather organic sounds mm-hmm. and really manipulating them. So we had that kind of ethereal 
unknown quality to it that felt somewhat familiar, you know, because when you go straight in with a digital sound, it's very hard, I find, to give it more life, you know, yeah. to inject something more to, into it, um, which is why people love analog gear, because you can record it. And there's something about a physical recording. I mean, there's a technical aspect to it too, but you just, for me, it, it has so such a greater depth of, of sound. Yeah. Well, has that human input to it, doesn't it? In a way that it's it's a breath or it's a hand or it's a, you know, there's there's a there's a, there's a human movement to create in the sound in a way. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. In a literal sense. And also from a, from a sonic point of view, there's harmonic overtones that are present that are not found in those digital noises. You know, yeah. Essentially, when you pitch that down, which is everything in this is just pitched down hella low, you get artifacts and sound and suddenly that quick breath from the flute suddenly becomes an enormous dragon breath you know and you're like well we got to use that you know yeah what do do you start on what do you you know do you are you a computer are you a keyboard do you have a do you have a go-to for for starting to think about sounds and because there are melodies in here as well you know in terms of threads of of things that carry you through and it's really interesting i think with with some of the cues in terms of where the development of the cues in themselves as well and where they go i i generally like to work uh on a palette you know it's it's like i'm i'm getting my color box first you know i'm choosing the colors and then we dot what you know what the drawing is going to be um so i work in, in metaphors like that exclusively <laughs> so you know I'm, I'm sure i think rose has talked about this before but post making the demo Obviously, I had these sounds that I've been working on. But what I gave to Rose and, and the editor, Mark, was a colour box. I said, OK, here's a folder of drones. Here's a folder of impact noises. Yeah. And, I mean, you should see the names on these ones, either. They are <laughs> truly obscene, strange tales of wonder. And I gave her this. And then from that, they were able to kind of forge their own cue. And then I would look at that and remake it you know mm. like okay I see what you've done let me finesse it and I think that was really freeing for them because rather than using temp music to kind of do the heavy lifting they were using original sounds that kind of really elevate it to where they need it to be mm-hmm. and it's also great for me because 50% of the work's already done because they basically just mapped it out for me uh, so it makes my job easier.
scissors is one of my favorite cues as well. I love scissors. Really? Yeah, I love scissors. Wow, see, I think that's one of my least favorite. Oh, really? Why? I think because it was approved too quickly. Okay. <laughs> was e it was too easy. <laughs> I just, I did, I felt like, you know, so we did scissors. It's end of the film, so it's last cue we did, and it's like, you know, it's the pinnacle. It's when every, all, you know, all, everything goes down, and I just thought. I, it's, I feel like I'm throwing the kitchen sink at it, you know. It's just like everything at once. But I'm really glad that you like it because um, yeah, it, it, it felt like I didn't know. I didn't really feel like I knew what I was doing with that cue. I just felt like it had to sound scary, and I didn't know. It was the first time I had to. I feel like it had to sound scary, whereas everything else just naturally felt uneasy. But it's not a kind of obvious sound of scary, if that makes sense. You know, it's kind of not kind of, you know, there are, there are scores that are that you you hear and they they're scary, you know, kind of like. But th this is kind of, I think because it works so perfectly with the visuals as well. It's kind of the sweeping nature of it, I think, is just so good. Has that has this kind of, you know, with this being your first first film have and because of how brilliant it is and how well it's done. Has it opened doors for you in a way? Has it is as have there been, you know, people kind of recognised how great your your work is on this? I mean, the, the success of the film definitely gets people's attention. Yeah, right out the gate, we, we whenever they were doing the festival circuit, which feels like a hundred years ago, literally January last year, I got an email from Rooksnest, and they do Surge, which is coming out soon, and The Witch, which is the Robert Eggers film. Yeah. And um, I was asked to score uh, Stacey Gregg's feature, uh, debut feature. And it's got Andrea Riseborough in it, and it's called Here Before. It's a, a kind of small Irish film, and it's kind of like a suburban ghost story. Yeah. Uh, which was so much fun to work on because it was like a natural success. It was still spooky, but a lot more melodic. Yeah. Uh, which was nice to me. And, you know, people are like, I want to be your agent. I want you to sign here and I want you to sign that, which is really exciting, but also really scary because I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah. And now I'm working on um, Oliver Kasman's new film, The, the Origin. Oh, wow. Um, so, yeah, you know, and I've got to speak to people like you, which is you know, amazing. And people are asking my opinion on things, which, you know, normally I just give because I'm a man and that's what <laughs> we do. <laughs> Um, so yeah, it's been really exciting, really exciting. That's so great. I'm so excited for for what's to come and to hear what you what you work on next. Do you know? Um, I'm, I also I'm a big fan of DVD extras, mm. and I know that the 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 whole version of the film is coming out the first of February. And I just wondered if you knew if there were any extras on the Saint Maud DVD. As far as I'm aware, and I've pre-ordered my copy too. Good. Uh, there's a behind this, not behind the scenes, what's it called? Audio commentary from Rose and Mark, which I really want to hear. Oh, great. Uh, because Mark's hilarious. Uh, the editor, sorry, I should say Mark Towns. 
as far as I'm aware, that's all that's on there. I was, you know, I had I had an interview the other day, and the, the guy asked me, "Is there extra music in the in the score that's not on the soundtrack?" Um, and I and I went through, and there was loads. I don't know why I didn't put it on. I think I felt like they felt too inconsequential because a lot of it, like we spoke before, is very dense fogs of sound design, mm-hmm. um, and so I kind of felt like they were redundant or like a waste of vinyl or something. So I didn't include them, but maybe one day I'll release like extra snippets or something. Yeah, you can do like the, you know, the, when it, when it wins all the awards, you can do the award winning version <laughs> with all the stuff you didn't put on it. You've heard of director's cut. Why isn't there composer's cut? There you go. Perfect. We, we can pioneer this. <laughs> definitely. Definitely. It's, it's, I think... You know, I think it's a given. Who, I mean, whenever the awards are going to be, who knows? It's mm. kind of like, but I, I think that you know, I'm so glad that the the film and you're all getting the recognition that you deserve for it because it's a, it's a brilliant piece of work, but it's also really exciting to see people who are at the start of something, and excited to see where where they go next as well. So you know, both Rose and you as well. So thank you so much for your time. No, absolutely. I'm so grateful uh, for you to, you know, take out the time for to do this. Um, especially, you know, I know that you said you were homeschooling. That oh, don't say that word. That must be insane. <laughs> how many? Sorry, how many kids? Could you write a cue? Yeah. Of your interpretation <laughs> of what you imagine homeschooling being of a seven-year-old boy who <laughs> cannot sit still for two seconds, who plays the drums and the French horn. And a twelve-year-old boy who um, just wants to be on his phone all day. There we go. I mean, that's a more terrifying score than Saint Bonds. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't envy it, but I'm I'm very impressed that you even attempt it because that's terrifying. Um, this is a beautiful um, uh, ex- excuse to to talk about the film. So it's brilliant that you could spare the time this evening to chat to me. I'm so grateful, Adam. Thank you so much. Thanks, Edith. Listen, good luck with everything, with the awards and all that kind of stuff as well. And I hope we get to chat for the next project as well. Yeah, me too. Enjoy your evening. Yeah, take care. Thank you. Take care. Bye. Bye. score to Saint Maud that I think it went well. Rounding off this latest episode of Soundtracking with Adam Janotobrozowski. What a brilliant, brilliant young man he is and I'm so excited about what he does next. My huge thanks to Adam for taking the time to talk to us. Saint Maud is out on DVD, Blu-ray and digital download formats as of the 1st of February and I genuinely highly recommend you checking it out because it's such a brilliant film but it's also one of those films that really doesn't fit as we talked about into one particular pigeonhole it covers an array of film genres 
but thoroughly entertaining at the core of it. We'll put a Spotify playlist up for the show at edithbowman.com and my website is also the place to listen to every single episode of the podcast, including my conversation with the aforementioned Mika Levy. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. We are at Soundtracking UK and do, if you have the time, have a look at our little YouTube channel where you'll find a companion show featuring a galaxy of stars from the world of film, music and television. Speaking of television, next week's guest is kind of composing gold really when it comes to it. Everything from Queer as Folk to Doctor Who and a load of brilliant stuff in between. He's worked with Russell T. Davis so much over the years and I really can't wait to share my conversation with Muddy Gold with you next week. I very much look forward to the pleasure of your company then. Mm-hmm.